All right. Well, let's um, pray now. We're going to ask God to help us listen as the Bible's read. And we might also pray for Katie and the, and the, little, the children as they have their learning time as well. Let us pray. And by your Holy Spirit, Lord, we pray that you would open up our ears, uncover them as we listen as the Bible's being read and uh, as we look into it a bit further today. We do ask that you may help uh, Katie as she um, seeks to teach uh, James and Lucinda this day um, and pray that um, that would go well and uh, thank you for this opportunity again this morning. Amen. Reading from 2 Samuel chapter 7 from verse 17. Nathan reported to David all the words of this entire revelation. Then King David went in and sat before the Lord and he said, Who am I, sovereign Lord, and what is my family that you have brought me this far? And as if this was not enough in your sight, sovereign Lord, you have also spoken about the future of the house of your servant. And this decree, Sovereign Lord, is for a mere human. What more can David say to you? For you, you know your servant, Sovereign Lord. For the sake of your word and according to your will, you have done this great thing and made it known to your servant. How great you are, Sovereign Lord. There is no one like you and there is no God but you, as we have heard with our own ears. And who is like your people Israel? the one nation on earth that God went out to redeem as a people for himself and to make a name for himself and to perform great and awesome wonders by driving out nations and their gods from before your people whom you redeemed from Egypt. You have established your people Israel as your very own forever and you, Lord, have become their God. And now, Lord God, keep forever the promise you have been you have made concerning your servant and his house. Do as you promised, so that your name will be great forever. Then people will say, The Lord Almighty is God over Israel, and the house of your servant David will be established in your sight. Lord Almighty God of Israel, you have revealed this to your servant, saying, I will build a house for you. So your servant has found courage to pray this prayer to you. Sovereign Lord, you are God. Your covenant is trustworthy and you have promised these good things to your servant. Now be pleased to bless the house of your servant that it may continue forever in your sight. For you, Sovereign Lord, have spoken and your blessing, the house of your servant, will be blessed forever. Well, one of the things uh, my family has uh, come to experience in recent times is taking the spirit of Tasmania. So you arrive there and after the check-in, you give your tickets and so on and they check your belongings and uh, you join one of the queues to board the ship. Just imagine for a moment that you are the second vehicle in one of those queues. And there's 40 or so cars behind you and there's one in front of you. 
A queue on the far right begins to board. This one seems to be full of trailers on the back of vehicles. And then on the far right, after that one's gone on, there's a queue that starts on the far left, and uh, they seem to be the motorhomes. And then there's the lady with the, uh, the orange fluoro vest, and uh, she signals to the front car of your queue that it's your turn to move. But nothing happens. The car doesn't move after three seconds, five seconds, ten seconds. I mean, when, when do you blow your horn? After all, it's now 20 seconds. And love for the sake of the passengers behind you compels you to stir that car in front to move. It makes no sense to remain unmoved when the lady with the fluoro reveals that it's your turn. And it makes no sense to remain unmoved by God's revelation either. As we uh, hear the promises of God, his plans for us, the lengths he's gone to, the eternal security of his people, these aren't simply ideas that we can just look at in cold print, be unmoved by them. Rather, they should move us to welcome his word, delight in his promise, praise their maker and plead their fulfilment. And David knew this. When he heard the Lord's plan through Nathan the prophet, there was no way that he could remain unmoved by them. What do we see him doing? After Nathan reported to David the words that God had revealed to him in verse 17, David went in and sat before the Lord. He lived in a house of cedar. But nearby was a humbler dwelling, a tent, David pitched for the ark of God. Hearing the word of God moved David from his grand house into the tent. He went in and sat before the Lord. And earlier he had uh, sh shared his concern with Nathan. Here I am living in this cedar palace while the ark of God is in a tent. David feels something needs to be done about that. But before anything does, the word of the Lord impacts him. The word of the Lord corrects him. It moves him. His prayer put into words the impact of the word of the Lord on him. And if we have been moved from hearing the Lord's word to us, in the pages of scripture, it should move us to come before him and pray in a similar way. Where are the spots and the places where you go in and sit before the Lord? David went into the tent and sat before the Lord. And uh, what does he begin by praying? Well, he begins by praising the Lord. The prayer is beginning with wonder, marvelling at what the Lord has done and what the Lord is like. Praise doesn't necessarily 
involve music. Praise is about making known the great deeds of the Lord's. His power, his goodness, his character, his nature. Speaking like this is praising the Lord. David's praise, notice, isn't just what the Lord has done, but things done for him. Verse 18, who am I, he says, O Lord, and what is my house that you have brought me thus far? It was praise for previous grace. He'd been a shepherd in Bethlehem and now a leader in Jerusalem. It was praise for precious, rather precise grace. Precise grace. How could the Lord's plan ever centre on him and his house, his family and descendants? It was praise for preserving grace. He had been brought thus far safe and Samuel had anointed him in Bethlehem back in 1 Samuel 16 and now it's 10 years on. He's in Jerusalem. He's been through the dangers. He's escaped. He's had to deal with treachery, folly, despair, slander brought by the generous, gracious, powerful hands. And as remarkable as all this is for him, David recognises in the prayer in verse 19, it was a small beginning compared with what is to come. For David had heard the Lord's promise in verse 19, where he says, you have spoken also to your servant's house for a great while to come. And this instruction is for mankind, O Lord God. This grace, you see, would be enjoyed not only for uh, his descendants or the nation. The Lord's promise concerned mankind. The words David heard from Nathan were like those made to Abraham. That uh, through Abraham, through his offspring, blessing would be reached to all the families of the earth. And now David realised that this was going to go forward through his own promised offspring, whose kingdom would be established forever. It was praise for promised grace extending for mankind. Having such astonishing words from the Lord takes David's breath away. Verse 20, what more can David say to you, he says. And the reason he has nothing worthy to say was the Lord's knowledge of him. For he says, for you know your servant, O Lord God, not in the sense that the Lord knew where he lived or knew his shoe size or what he had for breakfast, but knew David according to his great purpose for him, made known to him. What did David know? That the Lord established him king over Israel, a small thing in the Lord's eye, surpassed 
by all this greatness the Lord has brought about in verse 21, speaking his promise of a great name, the blessing for mankind. What David knew was due to God's great action to reveal his purpose to David. It had nothing to do with David's worthiness. It was according to God's own heart. You see it there in verse 21. By God's total sovereignty and freedom, he spoke his promise to David, the promise for Abraham, Israel, and the whole world. It came from within God himself. Such was David's praise for what the Lord has done. Which causes him to praise the Lord for what he is like. Verse 22, therefore you are great, O Lord God, for there is none like you. There is no God besides you. His greatness, or the greatness he has done, is because he is great. You see, David knew what Hannah knew. Remember in her song of praise, we saw it last week, there is none like the Lord, there is none besides you, there is no rock like our God. There's a story told of the... Uh, French king, Louis XIV, died on the 1st of September, 1715. He made funeral plans. He was known as Louis the Great, but he requested that at his funeral, at the Cathedral of Notre Dame, all would be dark except a single burning candle on the coffin at the front. And when the court preacher, Massillon, rose to give the funeral oration, he strode to the coffin, snuffed out the candle and began with the message, only God is great. Only God is great. David didn't need a funeral to make his point. He just considered how gracious the Lord had been and went away muttering, only God is great. When you understand his grace, when you hear the Lord address you with his word, it, would, it will lead you to that doxology. Only God is great. David had asked, who am I? Who am I? Lord. And now he asks in verse 23, who is like your people Israel? Just as there is no one like the Lord, there is none like the Lord's people, unworthy as they were, that the Lord had chose them to serve him. They were his people. He was their God. They were great, for he had redeemed them. They had a new master, set free to serve a new master. Not to be independent of him, but bound to him by acting in judgment against Egypt and its gods and the nations of Canaan and their gods, the Lord made his name great. Ransom through blood, as it is for every one of you who believes, that you are not your own. That is, you no longer live as though you are master. You were bought with a price a ransom, redeemed with the precious blood of Jesus. You belong to him. 
to now serve him with perfect freedom that the Lord might make his name great through you. And so David understands Israel is as permanent as his dynasty, not because they are so durable, but because the Lord is faithful to keep them. How precious, how precious his people are to him. And that is why David is praising the Lord. There is nothing else on earth greater in the eyes of the Lord than the flock the Father has given to him. Nothing more valuable to him in all the earth. This morning, do not doubt this, that the Lord's eye, his love, is set on his people. He gave his life for his people to redeem them. He will keep his sheep to the end, not losing one of them. They are his forever. As much as David looks on the Lord's people, he cannot do so without praising the shepherd for what he is like and what he has done, and that's how it should be. And his response of praise moves David to pray or to uh, petition. David praying to the Lord there, and his prayer is shaped by praise. You see it there in verse 25 where he says, And now... You see, and now, O Lord, do what you have promised. Do as you have said. Cause it to stand forever. Do it forever, Lord. Establish it concerning your servant, concerning his house. For your name's sake, for your honour, in showing great goodness to your people, may there be a greater purpose to show your goodness and greatness to the nations of the world. And even more, the prayer goes on to ask, may it be so forever. With our daily concerns getting so much of our attention, I wonder whether we can pray like this. David describes it in verse 27 as having found courage to pray like this. Honour your name. Establish your kingdom through my house. This is surely what prayer is. Holding close to what God has promised giving him the praise for what he has done and who he is and praying that he will do what he has promised. When the Lord Jesus taught his disciples to pray for the kingdom to come, he began by the prayer, didn't he? Hallowed be your name. And that's the idea in David's prayer. May your name be great in all the earth. Only redeemed people can pray like that. The only people who know how great God is, is in his grace and in his sovereignty. That the kingdom Jesus promised is the fulfilment of the kingdom that David was praying. And later the apostle Paul explained how God called him to preach the gospel of his son for the sake of the Lord's name across the nations. This is what David had prayed. David's descendants would be a house forever through the kingdom of the Lord Jesus. God's forever purpose is established through name above all names, Jesus Christ the Lord. 
And that is the name made known through the church. The assembled people of God, the redeemed, called to belong to Jesus. Where we read in Ephesians of the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Forever the name of the Lord is magnified as the church is established and built in the Lord. Here is the house. A house David could only begin to imagine. A house made up of all sorts of people declaring how great God is. What a prayer David prayed. It is as remarkable as what we pray today. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. David found courage to pray his prayer for the Lord had spoken to him. And David uncovered his, the Lord uncovered his ears to hear these words. He could not remain unmoved. If the Lord has uncovered your ears to hear his grace and promise in the gospel of his son, would you pray how Jesus taught? David had prayed for the Lord's blessing to come on his house forever the Lord's favour to rest on him. How would blessing reach the nations? How would blessing reach all the families of the earth? Don't we know where it is? Haven't we discovered that? What David had prayed for? The blessing promised to Abraham has come to the nations of the earth. It is in the gospel of the Lord Jesus, the news, that in him the blessing promised has come. The final king of David's line has come. And we wait the time the kingdom will be fully, publicly and universally displayed. If you pray according to what he has promised, he will surely do it. Do, Lord, what you have promised. That's the heart of our praying. His promises give passion to our prayers, boldness, courage to pray, gives us confidence to pray. That's what David knew. And that's why, you see, he went in and he sat down before God and he prayed, standing on the promises of God. Hear them. Hear them in the gospel of the Lord Jesus, God's King forever. Believe them. Belong to him. Knowing that you are precious in his sight, blessed forever in him. How could you be unmoved, but instead go in? Sit before the Lord who redeemed you in his grace and pray with courage the Lord's prayer. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. 
your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. We stand to sing our next song to take it to the Lord in prayer.